want to talk to you about resurrection. And um, I, there's no way in the world I can give, do this subject justice. I can't do it justice. I don't have enough time to do it justice. So I'm going to just share some things with you about resurrection today. I was thinking about it, and it would be if I were trying to give you a message on the cross, could I do it justice? No. Uh, maybe you would shout, but did I do it justice? And so this is what we want to do is just sort of start working on it. Maybe we'll talk about resurrection for a while. Maybe today is Passover or resurrection. And so we want to use those words uh, interchangeably because Jesus Christ is our Passover. Or we can safely say Jesus Christ is the resurrection. And you want, to, you want to settle that into your heart and your spirit so that we can go on and learn a little bit more. Eternal death has passed us by or passed over us because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't know if, you, if you've ever thought about eternal death, if you have thought about it in, in detail. It, it's not... Uh, an unconscious state, it is a conscious state without God. Even the vilest of sinners have some grace on their life because of God's goodness. He, he allows his rain to fall upon them. He uh, allow, allows his sun to rise upon them. He allows the cool winds to blow. But those who continually reject God will live in an eternity without him. And that's a frightening thought to me, and that's why I have to preach the gospel. Also, I want to establish the fact that we, believers, have passed, have passed over, I'm going to say passed over, from death into life. So we have crossed a great divide, an unbridgeable gap into life. You and I are, not, are now in, living in life. We're living in what I call, uh, naturally, we're living in the Western Hemisphere, uh, but spiritually, we're living in the Christ sphere. Th that's a place where we dwell. That's the place where we live. If someone were to ask you, which hemisphere do you live in? You'd say the Western Hemisphere. But I think we should, all, we should think uh, we live in the Christ sphere. We live in the place of the beloved Son of God. We have been transferred, trans, uh, transferred, we have been conveyed into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's where we live. Some of us don't really live like that in our practical lives because we keep thinking naturally. The scripture says that, that if, if one uh, is in Christ, in Christ, that person is a new creation. Old things have passed away. How many times do we must, must we hear that to realize old things have really passed away? Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to get to heaven, realize that we lived a life uh, with old things in our lap rather than having passed away? That would be a sad thing for me. Jesus says in John 5, 24, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. What kind of life? Everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment. And shall what? Not come into judgment. Say that with me. And shall not come into judgment. 
So that means that you and I are not going to be judged with the wicked, even at the, at the uh, judgment seat of Christ. I, I'm so grateful for clarity, even greater clarity on the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not going to be about our sin. It's not about our sin. That is dealt with. He says that if we believe in him who sent Jesus, we have everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Isn't that amazing? That's what this day is about. This day is not about Easter bunnies. It's not about little baby chicks. It's not about fertility junk. It's about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, beating, defeating death. Amen. And so this story does, does not begin uh, at the cross or at the resurrection in a sense. It began approximately 1,500 years before. And your day, as it were, is not beginning today. There, there are things that have happened that caused you to come to this day. So let's look at the gospel story in Exodus. It's a, it's a gospel story. I say it's a gospel story because it uh, deals with the Son of God, this resurrection today. Can you imagine resurrection? I, I think about these things constantly, and I, I think about resurrection. That's too big for me. That's too great for my, my head, my understanding. God has done something greater for us than, than what we generally realize, than, than, than what we really lay hold on. And so let me read a little bit from Exodus chapter 12. I'd love for you to read uh, Exodus chapter 12. I can't read it all and preach in a few minutes. So let's just look at it. Uh, in the, uh, the first two verses, he says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And so what he's saying is that the first of month uh, for Israel, the, the, uh, the, the, the calendar month, the, the civic calendar, began somewhere around September, October. But he's saying here now, in March or April, uh, he said that this is going to be the beginning of your year. So this your spiritual experience, he's saying, takes precedence over the natural. And so he says, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And this month is called Abib, Abib. And it literally means fresh young ears, speaking of barley, the fresh barley, something new. And when Jesus uh, got out of the grave, the, the high priest or the priests were out there waving barley loaves, say uh, uh, barley sheaves as first fruits. That's when Jesus got out of the grave. They were, they were celebrating uh, the barley harvest. And so in verse 3, he says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, <clears throat> On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Now, spiritually speaking, Jesus is one lamb for the household of Adam. Here... The scripture says each family must take a lamb for its household. But if your family is too small, you can, you can bring other families together with you, your neighbors, close neighbors, and you can also have this one lamb. But the scripture is showing us that 
that Jesus died, when he died for the sin of the whole world, he could not die for uh, partially a few sins because the lamb is for the whole, entire household. And so Jesus has died for the sin uh, of the whole world, Adam's household. And so he goes on to say that, that the, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. That's verse 5. Verse 6 says, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight or between the evenings. You should kill it somewhere between 3 and 5 o'clock, but more, more likely 3 o'clock, the time of the evening oblation or offering for the Jews. He says to them, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And so he's saying that the blood should be on the doorposts and it should be on the lintel of the house where you ate. So this is about sacrifice, it is about blood, it is about uh, escape. Then he says, then they shall eat the flesh on, uh, on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. And then he goes on to say, and thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. And so he shows us that in Israel had had a bitter, a bitter life of slavery, of harshness, and he's told them to eat it with bitter herbs. And I think that what we, can do, we should do is take a good look at our life before Jesus. Take a good look at our life before Jesus. Ask us how bitter th that was. And so with haste, we should make our way out of that kind of life. When Jesus comes, he saves us. We have to be excited about it. We ought to be excited about it. And we ought to be uh, in haste or in a hurry to get out of that place. And so he says, and he says, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover or Pasha. It is the Lord's Passover. And so this is the Lord's Passover because God has done something great for this people, Israel. He said, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. That's verse 12. Uh, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. So it was not just about uh, freeing a, a, a group of people who were in slavery. He says, I'm going to deal with those who have dealt harshly with you, and I'm going to fight against all their gods, all that they trusted in. I'm going to fight against it. Isn't it amazing how most of us, those of us who have gone into maturity, the things of the world have grown very dim to us. They have lost their luster. We're not pursuing those kinds of things. He says, because he deals with all the gods. He dealt with all the gods of Egypt, and he certainly de dealt uh, with them in Pharaoh's house. And then he says, uh, verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. It will be a sign. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so what the Lord is showing us is that just as he did for Israel, he has done for us in salvation. 
when he sees the blood applied to you. The blood is really, spiritually, at this very second, the blood of Christ is applied to you. Now, you can plead the blood if you want. I don't plead the blood. It's already applied. And, and wherever, in, in my situation, it's already there. And what I, my responsibility before God is to believe. And if when I believe, it's done. I know we, go, we have our sort of uh, religious gyrations. I'm, I don't have much of an issue with it. I'm, as I grow old, I said, ah, let them do it, baby. It's okay. You know, you know, it's not profiting anything, but they feel better when they do it, you know. But, but because the thing is, the blood is applied. And God is saying here, uh, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses. It's a sign for you. It's a sign that God is not, that you're not going to experience death, eternal death. You're not going to experience that. God says, when I see the blood, I'm not going to bring you into judgment. I'm not going to judge you, as it were. Now, now the judgment seat of Christ, let me refer back to that. It is going to be about uh, our, how we have carried out our assignments before God. So whether or not, as, as uh, uh, Brother Keith Lamb says, it's going to be whether you're, how useful your life has been since you've been saved or how useless it's been. I, I, I like that. You like that? And so now I'm not going to hell, but I shudder to think that I, can, I will go through my, to my Savior, go to my Savior, and, uh, and he says, I'm sorry, Don, you, you led a pretty useless life. But come on in, son. I love you. I, I don't, I, I, that would be so difficult for me. And knowing how he has made me, that would be so difficult. It should be difficult for every one of us to, who, who'd live a let me just get by life. All right? All right. So God, God, in, in verse 14, he tells uh, Israel that you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And what he's showing us is that Passover is an everlasting reality. I, I do know that there are some people who, who don't like my, my theology that, that, uh, that God, Jesus Christ himself, is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Some people don't like that theology. They, they want to prove me wrong that you can go to hell. Well, I'm telling you, not even you who think you can are going if you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus because it's an everlasting ordinance right here in Exodus. Right here in Exodus. I am not going to hell. But now, so my concern, and I do have concern, my concern is that I will finish the work that the Lord has given to me. And you know, we can help each other finish well by not being such a problem. Now, now don't raise your hand, but do you have any problems in your life and they're called people? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. At, at least I want one of you here not to raise your hand. You know, you know so, so we can help each other by, by obedience, by walking out what God has given to us. We have enough problems in the world. Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation. He didn't say, in, at the house. You know, he didn't say, with all your relatives. You know? He says, in the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then, and then in verse 17, Jesus reiterates in Exodus 12 and verse 17, he reiterates uh, what I just shared with you in verse 14. He says, therefore you shall 
Observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. He reiterates it. He says it again because he wants you to get it. He wants you to get it that, that when those people uh, came out from Egypt, he, I mean out of Egypt, they came out with, with great power and strength of God. Now, um, I won't read much more of this. Uh, let's go to verse 26. He, he's telling us about our children. And I know we all are concerned about our children to, some, to a, a, a lesser or greater degree. We're always concerned about them. I think that's good for parents to be concerned about their children and not be just, ah, oh, it's going to be all right. Ah, oh, it's going to be all right. We should, all, we, we should pray diligently. And he says here, and it shall be when your children say to you, verse 26, what do you mean by this service? that you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. He delivered our household. He delivered our household. Now, you, those of you who are here, you know I believe in, in household salvation. Yes, I do believe in individual salvation, but I believe in household salvation. See, this worship here was in the home. It was in the home. They took it to the public sphere, but it was in the home. It began at the house. Let's make our homes a place of worship. Let's make our homes a place of worship. And not your idea. It's not good ideas, right? No, no, not good ideas. Oh, I've got this idea. No, it's not good ideas. We want God ideas, not good ideas. Not your idea, God idea. Resurrection is so huge and powerful. Resurrection of life proves also our sonship. It proves your sonship. When Jesus Christ got out of the grave, it proved his sonship. And the fact that you have resurrection life in you, it proves your sonship. You are a son of God. Now, resurrection of damnation proves that people are not sons of God. When they are raised to damnation, it proves that they resisted God. Hallelujah. So today, today is not about something that has been so mysteriously called Easter. Amen. And you may have been reared, like all of us were reared, to call it Easter. And now those of you who have been here, if you're still calling it Easter, you're just rebelling against me. <laughs> you're just rebelling. You know, I, I was in a nursing home a number of years ago. Uh, Pastor Charles and I, were, we would go over there every Tuesday and minister. And, you know, Pastor Charles sang so beautifully. And uh, he would sing, and, and when they would, uh, he would finish singing, they would say, thank you so much, Don. <laughs> but uh, we, were, we were there once, and I was, it was on uh, resurrection season, and uh, I said to them, now this is really not uh, Easter. And one of the young, uh, young ladies of about 85 said, it is too Easter. It is too. <laughs> so she was trying to correct the preacher. So I just had to leave that one alone. But, it, but we, we have somehow confused uh, this, this pagan holiday of Easter, and we just give it uh, a, a, a good uh, maybe a meaning by saying, oh, it represents Jesus coming out of the grave. I, I just can't say it anymore. I just can't say it. 
anymore. I, uh, one of our brothers here uh, and I were in a bakery a few days ago, and I told you the story, but maybe Wednesday, but we were in a bakery, and uh, he said, I would like to buy some, some uh, cookies for your grandkids. And I said, oh, okay, we'll buy one, one cookie for each grandchild, you know. And so uh, we, we, we saw the cookies, but they were, they, had, they were Easter cookies, you know, with bunny rabbits and chickens. I said, I don't want any of that. And you say, well, Don Lavelle, that's just too stringent. No, I didn't want, I thought I wanted that. He said, I don't either. I don't like that stuff. I said, no, you know, no, because he, he had to ride back with me. And so <laughs> certainly, certainly he didn't like that stuff. But, 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 but listen, it, it's so subtle. It's in everything. And, uh, and sometimes we feel obligated to give our children that, that part of our bad past. So let's don't give them that part of our bad past. When I was a child, they even celebrate, Christians celebrated even Halloween. That's a bad past. If our parents didn't know any better, we just say, Lord, they loved us, but they didn't know any better. But if you know better, you ought to do better. Are you with me? You know better, you do better. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> yes. Amen. So, so today is about something unique. It's about something overwhelming. It's about something eternal. It is about something otherworldly. It is about the man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who purchased our salvation hanging on a tree. That's what this is about. It's too serious to trivialize it with something called Easter. It's about the first man the first human being arising from the dead to die no more. It's about that. It's about Jesus Christ rising from the grave to die no more. The scripture says it is appointed unto men once to die. It is appointed unto us once to die. So Christ offered himself in our place so that we would never, ever experience eternal death. Now, I, I really want to say again, I don't, I don't know how you are... Uh, receiving this. I don't know how you're internalizing it, but it speaks to me not just during uh, March or April. It speaks to me practically every single day of my life in some graphic way. Jesus dying on that cross. Now, he died for the sin of the whole world. And, and if we believe it, we will be saved. If we, if we believe it, he gives us the right to become children of God. Now, that's a huge thing. He gives you the right, the authority to become children of God. Now, he doesn't say, in this case, sons of God. He says children of God because you are now a born one. So there is adoption, but the adoption is not the only reality for us. There's, adoption has to do with you coming to God as a full-grown son uh, or as son in that you are an image bearer, son as in as though as if as because rather you have inherited these amazing rights and privileges. So, but he says here, children of God, because he wants you to know that you also have the reality of a born into the family experience. That's what this day is about. And so. You and I are born into this amazing family by the Holy Spirit. We are born in there by the Holy Spirit. So you and I have the Holy Spirit. Uh, that means that, that we are now 
uh, part of God's family. He is the, the proof. He is the guarantee. He is the evidence. The scripture says of Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That, that's such a tragic thing. You know, we, we could stop here and just lament because he came to his own, and they did not receive him. He says, but as many as received him, have you received him? As many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were, who were born not of blood, not of natural means, nor the will of the flesh, no, nor the will of man, but of God. You are here today, born again, because God says, I want that you. I want a child. I want it to be you. That's why you are here. Now, I'm excited about that because God says I want, he wanted me. Now, anybody have been rejected in your life? You've ever been rejected? You know, but God's saying, no, I want you. That's a huge thing. That ought to trump any kind of, of re feeling of rejection and depression you've ever had. If, if, if that man doesn't want you, God wants you. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And in some cases, if that woman doesn't want you, then God wanted you, brother. Hallelujah, God wants you, brother. So God, his resurrection, Christ's resurrection, is a picture and a prophecy for all those who believe in God through him. It's a picture and a prophecy that you will also have a resurrection just like his. You will have a resurrection just like his. Now, some of you, that doesn't move you. You go, hmm, I know that. Do you really know that? You know, you, do you really, really know that when, you, when uh, difficult things come to your life, when problems are, are just surmountable, just insurmountable as it were, they're just piling up, do you really know that this is going to soon be over, that I will have a resurrection just like Jesus, I'll get out of the grave, throw off all the bands of death? Come on, that's huge stuff. And even now, even now, even now, you and I don't have to wait uh, sometime later to, as it were, have a resurrection. We're going to have a resurrection of the body sometime later. That is, we're going to get a new body. There'll be no cell memory. You know, I remember when you did this. Remember when you said that? There'll be no cell memory, C-E-L-L -L memory. There'll be no cell memory there. Now, yeah. But right now, even with our, with our natural body, a body that we have used uh, uh, to sin, you know, everybody here has sinned, so don't, don't, don't just look at the person next to you. Everybody here has sinned because the Scripture says all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. So all have sinned. So don't look at somebody and say, well, you rotten sinner. You know, look at back at yourself. Right? But, but, so, but what God has done is so otherworldly. I mean, human beings don't think like this. So what God has done, he has taken the life of his resurrected son, the spirit of that resurrected son, and he has gifted you with that. So right now, resurrection lives in you. Wow. So when the Holy Spirit lives in you, or since the Holy Spirit is in you, living inside you, God's guarantee that you will never die. Thank you, Lord. 
It's not just on the pages of your, the Bible you read, but it's inside you. Um, that's amazing. And you know, sometimes you, you might be, lose that Bible or you might lose that receipt from the store that, that says this is your guarantee that they'll take the exchange, you, but you'll never lose what's inside of you. You cannot lose it. Are you with me? That's what God wants. That's what this day is about. This is a huge day, amazing day. Mm. Mm. So Jesus lives inside you. You can never hear it enough, nor can you say it enough. Resurrection lives inside of you. Eternal life is inside of you. It's not something to be achieved. Eternal life is nestled within your human body. When the Holy Spirit woke me up, he told me that eternal life uh, resurrection life is nestled inside you. I, I knew what nestled meant in, in some vague way, but I thought, let me look that thing up because, you know, obviously uh, God wants me to know a little bit more about it. So he said it's nestled inside of you. He says it is lying close inside of you. It's snuggling inside. It is cuddling inside your human body. I said, wow, is that all? He says, yes, and it is also nesting within you right now in your heart. And so I want you to know it's nesting. And, and what it gives me the imagery of, it gives me the imagery of in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and, and, and uh, there was chaos everywhere. But something else happened. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the deep. He was brooding over the deep. He was, as it were, had a nest. The deep was his nest, and he was bringing something forth. This is amazing to me. He was bringing something forth. And so he says, eternal life is inside you. Resurrection life is inside you, just nesting in your heart. Come on. I'm from the country. I'm from the country. I know what that's about. I know what the chickens do on the nest. We were talking about this yesterday a little bit. And Brother James says, and one thing too, he says, when he's nesting, that mother hen, I thought, you know, he's, he's, he grew up too like I did. He said that mother hen won't just let any kind of thing come under her wings. She won't even let another little chick that belongs to another fold come under the wing. I said, come on now. Because that's right. What that's saying is you can't just creep in here just because you're another chick. You can't do it just because you have two legs and two arms. You can't just come into this nest. Hallelujah. So he's nesting within us and he's nesting over us. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. This is amazing. This is a great day. This is a great day. Let me say a few, few other things before we, we finish. It's not an ordinary day. I don't, it's resurrection day. This day is a victorious day. This is Jesus' day. He owned the day. I mean, when you do what he did, got out of the grave, you can safely say he got out on his own power. You can also safely say that God raised him up. You can, all those are right. And so he gets out of the grave. He owned the day. 
He said, he said again, he said before he went to the, to the grave, and he said it afterwards. Before he went to the grave, he says, he says all things have been de delivered to me by my Father. So when he gets out of the grave, he says, he, you know, because he, he laid that down when he went into death. He gave it back to the Father. But when he got out of the grave, it was his again. But multiplied even greater than before. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Paul tells us, in, in the visible world and the invisible world, Jesus Christ, who lives in your heart, is ruling everything that can be seen and everything that cannot be seen. And if that does not fortify you, I don't have any help for you. Hallelujah. Today is a victory celebration. It's first fruits. The day that Jesus Christ gave us some amazing information. Jesus Christ showed us because he became the first fruits of all who had died. Wow. So, so, so that's amazing. What that means is he is the very first person, the first person to get out of the grave, to never die again. And so what, he's, what that tells us is that the, all of those in whom he lives now by his spirit will have a resurrection like his. They will die no more. This is a victory celebration to you. I cannot reiterate enough that it's not about something called Easter, but it's about something called resurrection. And so it, it, he indicates, so first fruits always indicates resurrection. Also, resurrection, res resurrection shows us some amazing realities. Not only that you will have uh, a, a resurrection like his, but resurrection also speaks of or portends it, uh, a crop. So, uh, so first fruit says there's a crop coming. There's a crop coming. And so it, it, it's not like the crop is precarious or uncertain. It's not like, oh, okay, something might happen to the seed in the ground. Some of you still think like that. I don't know why you think like that sitting under this kind of preaching. Because I'm, I'm reading it right out of the Bible. I'm not making it up. I'm not twisting it. It's clear and plain. And so the scripture says that Jesus is the first fruits of those who slept. And, and you and I, the scripture says that we are a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so do you see how he is comparing us? He's not contrasting. He's comparing us. Do you see the similarities there? If this doesn't strengthen you, you can't be strengthened. So now I said to you, it implies... Uh, first fruits always implies a, a, a crop or something coming afterwards. But it doesn't only imply, it doesn't only suggest, it demands it. First fruits demands a crop. Come on. This is huge. You know, what do you say? Well, what do you mean it demands a crop? I mean, there cannot be a first fruit if there's not some other fruit. And we are, we are, we are the whole crop of God. Hallelujah, somebody. Come on, I can't preach all of this, but hallelujah, somebody. This is a big business, isn't it? It's the family business. The kingdom of God is the family business. You are a part of it eternally. You have eternal life, and nobody can take it away. Paul says that there is no created thing that is able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? In Christ. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate. Nothing in creation. As I've said to you before, I'll say it again. That means that God has done something for the believer that some of us just, uh, just loathe to believe. What's wrong with us? I'm not angry with you. I'm just passionate here this morning. I'm not angry with any of you, even those of you who don't want to believe what I'm saying. I'm not angry with you. I'm passionate. What is, what is about this good news that we don't want to believe? It's not good news. The gospel is not good news if I can mess it up. But I'm telling you, God has made sure that I can't mess it up. Because if it could be messed up, I could mess it up. In the oil business, we have these fail-safe plans, you know? We have a plant, we make a plant, we got fail-safe systems. Fail-safe, fail-safe. Worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario, we can't mess it up. Worst-case scenario, everybody's not blown to smithereens. God has the best fail-safe system I've ever seen, Pastor Burke. He has the best fail-safe system. This is what he has done. He has placed Jesus Christ in every one of our hearts. That's God's fail-safe system. That's what resurrection is about. Resurrection is about fail-safe. Hallelujah. One day we're going to see Jesus Christ face to face. And it's more certain than I'm preaching to you right now. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord. An amazing God, amazing Savior. Resurrection day. Day when a man got a man got out of the grave. Prophets, kings, righteous men and women have been looking for that for centuries and centuries and centuries. And one day, a Nazarene named Jesus of Nazareth went to a, an old, cruel, rugged cross, died the vilest death that a human being could, could die, first innocent man on the planet to ever die, rose from the grave the third day with all power in his hand, ascended to heaven, sitting right now this minute at the right hand of God, ruling everything visible and invisible. I tell you, I love this Savior. He's a fail-safe Savior. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's love him. Let's serve him. Let's give him everything he asks for. I don't have to make up my mind tomorrow because tomorrow I've already said, whatever you want, you can have it. Just help me to walk it out. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord Jesus a big hand? I want you to.